Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on financial regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, the General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly podcasts is to update CII members on developments and CII advocacy activities related to the administration's initiative to reform the U.S. financial regulatory system. This update covers events occurring from July 11th through August 15th. Let's start with Congress. On July 17th, the House of Representatives passed by a vote of 406 to 4 the Jobs and Investor Confidence Act of 2018. This bill was comprised of 32 individual pieces of legislation. The package was promoted as making it easier for companies to raise money by lowering barriers to invest in startups and simplifying regulations for businesses to go public. CII was actively involved in the development of three of the 32 bills contained in this package. Those three bills had implications for CII membership-approved policies or prior CII public positions. The first bill we were actively involved in was entitled the Modernizing Disclosures for Investors Act. This bill was sponsored by Representative Ann Wagner of the 2nd District of Missouri. As originally introduced, this bill would have required the SEC to amend the federal securities laws to allow a publicly listed company the option to file a press release in place of a Form 10-Q. We initially raised concerns about this bill in a letter to the chair and ranking member of the Capital Markets Subcommittee of the Committee on Financial Services back in May. And then we had subsequent conversations in July to inquiries raised by the staff of the Committee on Financial Services with respect to this bill. We informed the staff that the bill as proposed would eliminate many of the existing requirements relating to quarterly reporting that are generally supported by CII members and other investors, including information required to be contained in the income statement, the cash flow statement, and required information to be disclosed about market risk, legal proceedings, material risk factors, unregistered securities and related proceeds, and the effectiveness of disclosure controls. The bill would also have eliminated the independent auditor's review and reporting on the quarterly financial reports. It would have reduced civil liability for false and misleading statements contained in the quarterly reports, and it would have eliminated the requirement for XBRL data tagging of quarterly information. In part as a result of our critique of the bill, the bill was substantially revised. As revised, the bill would require the SEC report to Congress on a cost-benefit analysis of reporting companies using a Form 10-Q, and it would require the SEC make recommendations with respect to improving quarterly reporting by emerging growth companies, which is a subset of all public companies. The revised bill was ultimately approved by the Committee on Financial Services by a vote of 56 to 0. A second bill contained in the CHOBS Act that was passed by the House in July was a bill entitled the Promoting Transparent Standards for Corporate Insiders Act. This bill was sponsored by the ranking member of the committee, Maxine Waters, of the 43rd District of California, and co-sponsored by Representative Patrick McHenry of the 10th District of North Carolina. This bill was also approved by a voice vote of the full Committee on Financial Services. The bill would require the SEC to consider certain amendments to Rule 10b-5-1. That rule allows insiders of publicly traded corporations to set up a trading plan for selling the company stock they own. The bill includes language taken directly from CII membership-approved policies in our related 2012 SEC rulemaking petition. That petition, which recommended a number of changes to the language of Rule 10b-5-1, was crafted with the assistance of outside corporate counsel who encouraged CII to submit the petition to the SEC because of his concerns about corporate clients abusing 
the intent of the existing rule. A third bill contained in the House-passed Jobs Act that CII was actively involved in the development of was entitled the Enhancing Multi-Class Share Disclosures Act. This bill was sponsored by Representative Gregory Meeks of the 5th District of New York. It passed the full committee by a voice vote. This bill would require issuers with multi-class share structures to make certain disclosures in their proxy materials. Those disclosures were derived from the recommendations of the Investor as Owner Subcommittee of the SEC's Investor Advisory Group. The committee staff, based on our recommendation, selected the IHE's recommended disclosures that we believed would be most useful to investors. The disclosures that were included in the bill in response to a CII's suggestion would require that each person who is a director or executive officer of the issuer or who directly or indirectly holds 5% or more of the total combined voting power of all classes of stock entitled to vote in the election of directors provide the following two disclosures. First, the amount of equity interest directly or indirectly owned by such person expressed as a percentage of the total value of the outstanding equity security as the issuer. And second, the amount of voting power held by such person expressed as a percentage of the total combined voting power of all classes of the securities of the issuer entitled to vote in the election of directors. Our public support for this disclosure was qualified by our view that the stock exchanges should revise their existing listing standards to require, on a going-forward basis, that publicly listed companies with multi-class share structures should have a sunset provision in their governing documents that collapses those structures to a structure consistent with the principle one share, one vote, which is one of CII's long-standing membership-approved policies. This House Passed Jobs Act was passed by the House back in July. The House Committee on Financial Services, Chad Henserling, from the 5th District of Texas, following the passage of the Act, indicated that the SEC Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky has promised that this Jobs Act bill will receive a vote on the Senate floor before the end of this Congress. That vote, however, does not appear to be imminent. The Senate Majority Leader has stated that, quote, Senators will continue their ongoing bipartisan discussions as we work towards a vote in the coming months. In addition, the ranking member of the Senate Banking Committee that has jurisdiction over this bill, Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio, has criticized the bill as helping Wall Street. In addition, officials from the White House have indicated that they would like technical and substantive changes to be made to the bill by the U.S. Senate before it is sent to the President for a signature. All of this suggests that the bill has a very difficult path for enactment prior to the end of this Congress. In other news in the United States Senate, On July 19th, Virginia Senator Mark Warner, the ranking members of the Securities, Insurance, and Investment Subcommittee of the Senate Banking Committee, released two letters to the public. The first letter was addressed to SEC Chairman Jay Clayton. That letter presses the SEC to use its rulemaking authority to require companies to tell shareholders whether and how they are investing in their workforces through human capital management disclosures. The second letter from Senator Warner was addressed to Gene Dodaro, the Comptroller General of the United States That letter requests that the U.S. Government Accountability Office conduct a study analyzing the extent to which firms currently report on ESG issues and whether Congress and the SEC should act to require such disclosures. Drafts of both letters were provided to CII staff by Senator Warner's staff for our review and comment prior to the finalization of those letters. Uh, Both letters and a related press release issued by Senator Warner uh, reference CII's general support for considering improvements to ESG disclosures, including improvements to disclosures about human capital management.
Also on July 24th, the Senate Banking Committee held a hearing considering the nomination of Elad Roseman. The president's pick to replace SEC Commissioner Michael Pewawire, who resigned earlier in July. Mr. Roseman is currently the chief counsel of the Senate Banking Committee. We've met with Mr. Roseman a number of times in recent years in that role. We have a good relationship with him and look forward to working with him on the commission. His confirmation, however, is not expected to occur until later this year, because as is a longstanding tradition, the vote on his confirmation will be paired with a vote on the Democratic nominee to fill the seat of Commissioner Kara Stein. Commissioner Kara Stein's term ended in 2017. She, however, is allowed to remain on the commission until the end of this Congress, at which time she will be forced to resign her seat. Recent press reports indicate that the president plans to nominate former SEC enforcement attorney Allison Lee to replace Commissioner Stein. Ms. Lee is a former aide to Commissioner Stein and the wife of current Public Company Accounting Oversight Board member Jay Brown. Until the confirmation process for Mr. Roseman and Ms. Lee is completed, which, as I indicated earlier, is likely to not occur until later this year, the SEC will remain shorthanded with only four commissioners, making it more difficult for Chairman Clayton to bring to a conclusion any of the SEC's existing proposals. SEC currently has more than 20 rulemaking proposals in the proposed rule stage. Back in May, we submitted a comment letter to the SEC in response to one of those proposals. That was a proposal with respect to the SEC's transaction fee pilot. We expressed support for the proposed pilot because its purpose is to shed light on the extent to which broker-dealers route orders in ways that may not benefit investors. That study is therefore generally consistent with CII membership-approved policies on trading practices. More recently, on July 20th, we wrote letters to more than 40 New York Stock Exchange companies that, as reported in the Wall Street Journal, wrote comment letters to the SEC opposing the proposed pilot in response to a request by officials of the New York Stock Exchange. Our letter to those companies explains our support for the proposed pilot and requests that our letter be shared with those companies' corporate boards. In July, we also issued two letters to the SEC providing our views on the SEC's current agenda and on the SEC's draft 2018 to 2022 strategic plan, respectively. In both letters, we urged, among other issues, that the SEC prioritize the completion of their 2016 proposal on universal proxy. That proposal is fully aligned with CII membership-approved policies, and it's responsive to two CII rulemaking petitions that we've submitted to the SEC. Finally, on July 20th, SEC Chairman Clayton announced that the Commission intends to host a roundtable to hear market participants regarding the SEC's rules governing the proxy process. The announcement identified several potential topics to be addressed at the roundtable, including the corporate voting process, retail shareholder participation, shareholder proposals, the role of proxy advisory firms, technology and innovation, and the 2016 Universal Proxy Proposal. The full agenda, invited guests, and the specific date or dates for the roundtable have not yet been determined. The SEC, however, has invited comments either in advance of or subsequent to the roundtable. Of course, no deadline has yet been set for the submission of those comments since no date has yet been established for the roundtable. That completes my financial regulation update. If you have any questions or comments regarding my remarks, please contact me at jeff, 
J-E-F-F at CII.org. Thank you for listening and have a great day.